They're large, they're fast, and fucking you up is their idea of tourism. My name is Matthew Kroll. And if your mom's vagina was a video game, it'd be rated E for everyone. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The It's important. Yeah. Predator. I know, because if we were doing Predator. Yeah. I think I'd be a lot happier. Oh, okay. Well, then well, we could do Predator 2. We could do Predators. Ooh. We could do Alien versus Predator. We could do Alien versus Predator Requiem. Oh, was that what the third... The, <laughs> the second Alien versus no, Predator was let's called. Talk, let's talk canon for a second sure, before, sure. before we just get into Shoulder it. Shoulder-mounted canon. Hi, yes. everyone, oh, by the way. Hello, hello. Nice. Yeah. nice job. No, I'm, I'm, crack, I'm cracking a beer. This is going to be a, a, fun, a fun episode. <laughs> let's talk canon for a second. Sure. Okay, so Predator is the initial movie directed by John McTiernan in 1987. Wow, wow. Oh, oh, oh. Yep. If you bleed, if it would, you do, you do it. You <laughs> do it. Bleeds, it. I, if it bleeds, we can kill it. There you go. I'm, I would butcher that, and you do a, a much better Arnie. Come on, stick around. Then uh, I'm not sure the year, but I'm guessing it's the '90s. Uh, Danny Glover follows up in Predator Two. Yes. Right. Yes. Then there's a long hiatus before we get Alien versus Predator. Yep. Uh, and Alien versus Predator Requiem, both of which I have not seen. Right. I've seen the first one, and only the last 10 minutes are worth anything. And I hear the second one is just terrible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard both of them are terrible. <laughs> I'm mildly curious because I think I remember, I used to enjoy the video game, so Alien versus Predator. I'm going to spoil something for you with it, but it's great. There's one scene at the end where the human teams up with the Predator, and actually the Predator crafts the human, like, basically like weapons out of the Xenomorph. So, like, the head is her forearm shield, and she has, like, a tail, uh, a spear and a tail. Would she, would, did they like suck out the, all the blood? I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> clean it and they do, I don't know. Yeah. It was just a cool thing and then they like both go hunt xenomorphs and I was like, this is what I want the whole movie to be and the rest of it's just like scientists bumbling <laughs> through an ice cave. Anyway. Uh, then uh, Robert Rodriguez reignites uh, the franchise by producing uh, Nimrod Atal's film, The Predator. I think, no, it's just Predators. Oh, Predators, which, yeah. I, which I also didn't see. Apologies. In uh, here's, I kind of wanted to see that. And here's the thing, and I, this is the amazing thing I'll say about this. There is a certain thing in that film that I find absolutely brilliant. It has its problems, right. but it's actually an entertaining film that does something different with the franchise. Right. And so I was going to talk about it if you had seen it, and I was going to spoil it for you listening. No, no, Sorry. No, totally fine. But, I, I feel like... But I'm not gonna because I think you'd actually dig it, Shahir. So I, I yeah. kind of wanted to see it because, um, uh, so so just to put it into context as well, uh, I love the original Predator. I think the original Predator yeah. holds up 100% today. I loved it. I, I loved it as a kid because it featured Arnold Schwarzenegger, yes. who was my favorite movie star. Yep. It was gory, it was violent, but I also, th I think, I, I don't want to presume, but I think I thought it was clever as a kid. Like, I thought I, I enjoyed the sort of twists and turns of it. I didn't just... There are certain action movies like Universal Soldier, for example, back then, where yep. I, which I knew was, like, kind of a bad movie, yeah. but I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Whereas Predator, I, I was... I think I was fairly certain it was a good movie, and then revisiting it as an adult, I was like... This is a great movie. It's it's a it's a masterclass in tension building, which yeah. is uh, very very cool and and not really expected from an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Although I think it hit during that sweet spot where like they were trying to do slightly different things with Arnold before they just fell backward into just using Arnold as Arnold all the time. Yeah, and it was also directed by John McTiernan, who went on to direct Die Hard um, and The Last Action Hero, which I think a movie's way ahead of this yes. time. So I think it was uh, it's an example of like a great director, great material. Uh, I'll, to crib the line from Honest Trailers this week, John. McTiernan was the Michael Bay of the 80s but good <laughs> which, I, which I would like 100% I'm, I'm very I'm like John McTiernan should be having an amazing swan song of a career but unfortunately uh, if, if no one knows the what happened to him mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the first people indicted in a public um, wiretapping case oh in no and was sent to prison 
for for wiretapping on a producer. Holy and so his career, shit! His career, uh, the last movie he directed was Rollerball with uh, Chris oh, that Pine. Was, that, was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but before that, he did the Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah. Uh, last Action Hero, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Great freaking director. Really, really terrific. Wow. Action so he's in jail right now. No, he got out after oh. I think one or two years, but he hasn't been able to like work. You know, yeah. Put his career back on track. I think he's, wow. the only thing he's directed is like a Tom Clancy video game trailer. Sure, um, you know, but but this is going from the peak, the peak of yeah. the guy who directed Die Hard. Wow, you know, um, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, like I. I think he's a terrific filmmaker. I think that was a terrific film. Uh, the reason there there are a couple other interesting films that came out this week. Mandy with Nicolas Cage was one I'm really excited to mm-hmm, do. I mm-hmm. hope we can kind of get to it. But we had an email from Jamesa, uh, which I which was basically the reason we did this podcast. If someone wants to talk to us about a movie, she sent this email very early in the week. That is so true. Before the movie actually came out, so yep. we hadn't seen it. And I do that thing, which is that I don't watch movie trailers, and I was like, I can't read this email because <laughs> because I don't want to spoil the movie or as a Predator would say, ah, 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 ah. Um, but uh, or what's the other line? Do would you like some candy? Yeah, that's from Predator too. <laughs> that's from Predator too. More creepy. In town with a few days to kill. <laughs> but so the the main reason we're doing this movie is because of this email, and mainly because, and I haven't read the email up until now. It's just that I wanted to read the email, so this is the movie we're gonna do. So if you're a listener and you wanna you want us to talk about a movie, the best way to do it is to send us a spoiler filled review, which will force us not to read your email, which we want to do. We want to read of every course. single email, and uh, and then we will then try and do that movie. Uh, you can do so at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod, where right now you could watch a 360 video of us recording. Oh, that's a, right. You launched that. Yeah, a podcast episode. So you could be in the room with us. You, sure, okay, we're going to get to uh, Jameis' email in a second, but... Shahir did this really cool thing, and admittedly, uh, when before we started recording, I wasn't quite feeling it, and I didn't really know, and I was having a day, and I was being kind of a butt. And uh, but we he did it anyway, and we set up a 360 camera in the room while we recorded the um, the searching episode. And yeah. the video is online; it's five minutes long. You can rotate around our entire studio, and Shahir did amazing, amazing, fun little effects all over the stuff. So like, so behind us, where my window would be, he inserted like video of what we're talking about in the back Gibson my trusty skeleton has little word bubbles that pop up if you rotate and random awesome stuff starts popping in through the back door of the studio um, I won't say what it is but he's not wearing hockey pants <laughs> it was amazing so thank you for putting that together everyone check that out uh, yeah and let us know if you enjoy that and maybe maybe we'll we might add it to the repertoire of, uh, of things that we do other than review films like Shane Black's The Predator let's, let's talk let's talk that email Okay, so Jamesa sent us this email, and I guess uh, I guess we can read this out. Although it is a review of the film, um, and okay, here, here's what I, I want to break this email up into sure, two parts. Let's do it, and let's do the second part first, like they would do on Jeopardy. Okay, um, the what I want to talk about here is this this controversy that I think I've been a little bit out of the loop on. Maybe you can kind of fill me. in I on know it. a lot about. I've I've deep dived. Okay, great, because um, because uh, and then we'll 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 come back to this email as we get into our thoughts on the on the film itself. But the but Jamesa writes in, what are your thoughts on the controversy surrounding Shane Black's decision making? Uh, and uh, 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 surrounding Shane Black's decision making and Olivia Munn speaking out, the media the media is shaming Augusto Aguilera and Trevante Rhodes' silence in the LA Times interview. But I feel like many people fail to realize. Uh, 
how the platform and agency are factors in how you respond to these situations. There are newcomers uh, of the cast, so they don't have as strong platforms as agency as their other male counterparts. Uh, now I feel like it's a damned if they did, damned if they didn't, and could potentially have negative effects on their budding careers because of their choice of a fellow castmate. I commend Olivia for speaking out, but does she realize the trickling down effect it has in the grand scheme of things? I would appreciate a perspective on this. So... I'll just give a brief timeline before we can get into our thoughts and, and, yeah, and fill, feelings fill me on in. it. So what happened was Shane Black hired his uh, longtime friend. I think he's, they've been friends for like uh, five or seven years or something like that. This actor named Stephen Wilder Striegel, Striegel? I, I okay. can't pronounce that. Who uh, Shane Black knew had a, um, a conviction or a guilty plea on um, basically uh, intent to harm a minor through um, – through like over the internet and attempt to like whatever. Basically, like nothing had happened at least officially, at least in that case, as far as Shane Black knew. But he was uh, he admitted guilty. He he and he got put on a sexual predator list or the that that sort of list. <laughs> Choice of words. I know, right? Yeah. Um. So, but so Shane Black and he he knew this happened. He talked to his friend. His friend tried to explain it and how it was and how it was. Um. Apparently, at this point, when Shane Black made the decisions he made, he thought that it was actually like a, just a gross misunderstanding of everything. And his friend got basically, um, uh, you know, you get used to get hit with this and it's on you for the rest of your life, as it should be if you're guilty 100%. Right. Um, so Shane Black made the, in my opinion, uh, terrible mistake of hiring him and not letting anyone on the crew know right. about this, just hoping that no one would find out. Right. Um, and he's been in other movies. He's been in, he has bit parts in, um, on nice guys. He has bit parts in oh, Iron Man three. I mean, they're not crazy ones, but like, uh, I think one of the Mandarin guards who has like a witty one liner is this guy. Oh, the, the henchman. I'm not getting paid enough. Maybe. For yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know what he yeah. looks like, but it's that he was credited as a Mandarin henchman, something or other. Okay. Uh, and so then when Olivia Munn found out, I'm not exactly sure how Olivia Munn found out, but they had a scene together where I think it was just a comedy bit part where like he hits on her and they have just a one-on-one. One sort of scene together. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not okay with it. She didn't want, uh, and I've watched a lot of interviews with Olivia Munn on this. She didn't want, you know, to make it seem as though, uh, you know, that someone like that should be working in Hollywood and that that she would uh, condone anything like that. And she wanted to know who she was working with. She wanted to know, you know, that yeah. she again. The reason these lists exist is so people know what you know who they're interacting with. Right. Uh, so she spoke out. <clears throat> And Shane Black instantly uh, came out with the first thing saying, you know, he he he's sorry if anyone was uncomfortable. However, he believes in second chances and he was under the impression that like it was a gross misunderstanding and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Then. Okay. People started coming out of the woodwork and showing Shane Black the act. I think what happened was Shane Black just trusted his friend's word. Okay. But like then people started bringing all of the real stuff to 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 front, and it was actually a little more physical than his friend had said, and it was actually a distant family member he was dealing with, and the girl was fourteen, and there's uh there's a lot of like it just kept piling on and piling on, and then the actual woman the woman now I believe uh came forward and thanked Olivia Munn for standing up for them. Okay. Um, and Shane Black with this newfound information was like. Oh my God! I didn't know. I like. I was. It's. My, this is my fault. This is my mistake. I can't believe I trusted this person who I thought was my friend who lied to me and da 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 da. da. Yeah. Um. And then uh has has since uh been far more apologetic and and uh, accepting the uh basically blame though I don't know what that actually does accepting blame for this uh other than you know nice words on Twitter and social media. 
uh, for basically not filling in everybody and, and hiring a person that he um, wanted to give a second chance but obviously didn't deserve one. And uh, Olivia Munn told the, how it worked was Olivia Munn said, I want this scene taken out of the film. Okay. And Fox didn't get back to her for two days to the point where it was during um, some some red carpet time and a bunch of other stuff. And everyone was sort of rushing through the red carpet, just telling them uh, they rushed her through it, just saying, oh, we don't have time. We don't have time. But she thinks it's because they didn't want her talking about it. Okay. But then they eventually cut the scene anyway. OK. Um, side is, note. Is the scene consequential to so, the narrative? No one knows. Um, I doubt it is based on the pedigree of scenes this man has been in in the past. Right. Um, I think this is just literally a, a guy doing was trying to do a favor for his who he thought was a friend, like putting him in movies, just like getting one liners or something. Right. Um, now, I. So, so what is the controversy? Like, okay, so it seems fairly clear cut. You know, there was a problem with this person. So here's where it, it gets yeah. here's where it gets controversial. Well, right. one Shane Black's decision not to tell people is is rough, especially once all the facts are on the table. Two, um, the all the male cast members for a first couple days of this literally said nothing. Right, and I think Jamesa's email is very poignant and telling. Um, it's you know it's that that's that that saying nothing sends a message sometimes. And uh, there was the two gentlemen specifically in her email. Um, I watched their press thing, and they literally were kind of dismissive about it. They were like. Um, you know, no, it's horrible, but it's not our thing. We're here to talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie. Right. And it was just, it was very like other cast members when asked did talk about it a bit and sort of side with Mun, but not the the the, the there wasn't a, a large uh no no one was jumping in to be like, yes, she's right to want this scene gone. Okay. And then a lot of people jumped on both sides. Oh, Mun is being difficult, some people said. Other people's like, no, they should, of course she needs to speak out and have this done. And, and it's bullshit that her you know, cast members and aren't, you know, aren't sort of standing with her. And the last bit that I found incredibly interesting yeah. was Mun in an interview actually sitting with um, Jacob Tom, Thomas Jane. Okay. And um, I can't remember the other actor, but not none of the two that was in Jamesa's email. It was okay. just um, – oh, and um, – uh, Jacob Tromblay? No. No, um, okay, no that, not, the, not, not the child. Um, the, <laughs> I thought there was – I just uh, – the only thing I saw was a headline where Jacob Tromblay and Olivia Munn were in an interview, and there was – this story was brought up in Oh, interview. really? I didn't Th – That's the only headline oh, I, I didn't haven't done that. a deep dive. But uh, Olivia Munn, when they were like, oh, is Shane Black's apology you know, okay for you? And Munn said – she's like, it's great that she he's apologizing to everyone. That's mm -hmm. awesome. But like something like this, she's like, I feel like this should have been a – this should be a private apology um, mm -hmm. specifically to me and everyone else involved, and I have not gotten one. Okay. And I was like, oh. Right. So that's sort of all the information I have. Sorry for that info dump, no, no, everyone. No, it's interesting. It's interesting because, I, again, I have not kept up with uh, that and I, particular story. And I I really like Shane Black as a director. Mm -hmm. I think this is a uh, – and I think he's realizing it was a gross moment of incompetence and mm -hmm. and and something he absolutely should not have done. Yeah. It's just um, you got to know facts, I guess. And, yeah. And, and, I, it's, and, and it's okay. Sorry, one, my last yeah, point. Yeah, sure, okay. um, My last point is if facts come to light – Yep. That change your opinion. You should change your opinion, and you should do whatever. And just that you also, to Jamesa's point, and to I feel like a lot of people on the internet's point, you just have to do it, you know, in a timely manner. I think. Yeah. So this is a, uh, again coming at it from a very uh, fresh perspective, as in you know not really knowing the full context other than what you've just filled me in on. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not certain what to make of that. Uh, it seems like the. There's sort of two parts to the issue. Yep. One, the first part being that there was uh, 
uh, a sort of employ uh, employment relate employment issue that was not taken into account, but was eventually dealt with once mm-hmm. revealed. Um, would that have been dealt with had it not become a public spotlight issue? Who knows? Um, so uh, there's that. The second is um, the sort of focusing in on the. Uh, focusing in on this issue around one particular actress. And I think um, to Jameis's point, uh, you know, like do these other actors have the sort of power and agency to, to kind of get up and make a stand on this? And I kind of, I think in my, in, in my estimation, not knowing a lot about the situation, I feel like I understand Trevante Rhodes and Augusto uh, Aguilera uh, saying, hey, we're not here to talk about the movies because in many ways, this has nothing to do with them being actors on this movie. It's like talking to um, a gr- key grip on um, a film that, you know, like where they didn't know, you know, they're, they're just there to do their job. Kind yeah, of thing. but at the same time, I think it's, to be honest, on the clip that I watched, it's yeah. not that they did, didn't did say anything or wanted to address it fully. It's yeah. that they their tone of it was like incredibly dismissive and just sort of like... No, like I, I, it was, it was weird. You, you can check it out I'll yourself. Check, I'll check it out. But um, I, I think there's that thing that that uh, the broader issue here is: is the impetus on the actors to make an issue of this, or is it, you know, given that they're basically employed by someone to come in and do a job, is it their job? Is it their role to like speak up and and become sort of a focus point for this issue? Um, and I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, in my initial estimation, maybe there's more to the story than I fully comprehend or understand. Uh, may, I don't think it is. On it's them. not their job and yeah. I don't think it's on them, Yeah. but you're also able to glean things that they think are important. Right. Um, and, 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 and or, or, or perhaps maybe, I mean, what? You could look at it the cynical way, like they just want to protect their jobs and like keep working in Hollywood and not make not make a, a problem thing already bigger. Sure, yeah. that's that's fine. Uh, you could even go worse and say that they don't think you know this kind of abuse is an issue, which I do not think that's no, the I case. Yeah, but like the the you know it's just a matter of you can you can respect someone's. Again, I say go back and watch the footage because it's it's honestly the way it is it is uh, put aside, not the fact that it is put aside. And Mun, I think it's exacerbated by the fact that Mun stood alone right for a long time on this, and that's something that's weird. Yeah, Here, here's what I will say about this. There's a clip I actually just watched this week of Quentin Tarantino talking to a BBC reporter about violence in cinema, and oh, Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino basically says, "Hey." I'm not here to talk about an issue that you want to deal with. I'm here to advertise and sell my movie. And this song and dance that you want to do about violence in movies and, and that issue is not something I'm here to do, and I'm not going to do this little dance for you. Um, and I kind of... Uh, his tone is dismissive, and he seems very angry and like tired and, and like frustrated, and he comes off kind of as a jerk. But I kind of get what he's saying, which is that there's this misconception around the priest junket. Yep. Um, the priest junket is a sales tool. It's put on by the studio to sell the movie and the 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 conflict arises when journalists go into that room and try to fish for a story oh yeah clickbait and, 9000 100% yeah, yeah. and try to you know and so and and i think uh there's a there's an uh there's a and Jamesa points this out as well is that there's a uh, a platform and a venue to air legitimate concerns and i'm not sure that the press junket is ultimately the best place for that like i like i've seen for example uh, press tours on, you know, like for movies where uh, people want to bring up contemporary issues alongside the movie and you're asking an actor to comment on global world politics and, you know, because it has some sort of adjacent value yeah. to the movie. And it's like, 
this has got nothing to do with why I'm here. Sure. And, it's, and there's a misconception that it should. I think the difference, though, between that example you just gave and the Quentin Tarantino example <laughs> is that is a those are sort of like. I, I would even put sort of either philosophical or political issues and debatable things right. where that and that I think I 100% agree with you. Not not what the press junket is for. The, the the I feel like the journalists in that case are sort of in the wrong because they're not doing what they're there to do. Right. Um, I think the I think the waters get a little murkier when discussing uh, sexual abusers or, or, or people that are that have actively hurt people before. Like it. Mm. There's something about like having the agency of like this person victimized another person. Right. And so, again, I'm. I'm not saying that it, it is correct and I don't like that journalists are using it as like that's I don't like that and I, as I'm sure no one involved in the film likes that this has become the story of this film yeah um but at the same and I don't like that the journalists have done that sort of direction with it but at the same time part of me is like you know yeah shout from the you know rooftops or whatever it's the, like it's, the, it's interesting and we will uh we <laughs> we have promised this episode for many for a long time we're about to we've kind of cleared the dicks a little bit we yeah. have uh Wait, clear have, the what the, <laughs> the d-e-c-k yeah <laughs> it's always very awkward when i shot that word out loud uh because of my funny accent <laughs> um but uh, uh we have been promising an episode on separating art from the artist which i think will touch somewhat in this issue because the one thing i want to point out about this thing uh of Olivia Munn discussing this is Olivia Munn also appears in a movie called X-Men Apocalypse, which is directed by one Brian Singer, who has been notably uh, yeah. accused of many things in a similar vein. Um, I guess there's a distinction between accusation versus prosecution or conviction, but I, I think... You know, we we get into the sort of hairy territory, and and, and, I, and I think it's really worth discussing, especially where we are right now. There is a there is a Senate hearing right now on the uh, on the nomination of a Supreme Court Supreme Court justice, uh, upon whom there are similar accusations being leveled, and that is a platform where that where I feel like that is necessary. A press junket, uh, you know, on a, on a bit player who turned up for a day. I'm not 100% sure I would need to, you know, like to feel out the context a little bit more because I think and and I, and I guess uh, this would be the spoiler for my my discussion on separating art from artists, but context to me is everything. I think uh, that's fair. And and with a the context for this is slightly different to what I'm just, he, you know, hearing at this particular moment. Yeah. Um but but yeah, no, I I'm I'm <laughs> Well, we can, we should jump into the movie sure, itself, sure. but I think that is an interesting point of view. Unfortunately, it has no bearing on the quality of this movie. It has no bearing on the philosophical or the narrative implications of what this story is. Right. It would be there. Are, there are occasionally uh, interesting times in a film's uh, history, in a film's uh, narrative trajectory, where those two things align up sort of in unique ways. Right. Um, this is not one of those cases. Um, so uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I thank Jamesa for that uh, for that email. I think that's a provocative topic and probably one we have to add to the uh, library of questions that we have to deal with in that separating art from the artist uh, episode that we have uh, long been gestating. Much like, no, that's an alien, not a predator. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was almost it was it was a one degree away from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, analogy to get <laughs> us moving on, but now <laughs> moving on. To to the actual film, The Predator, which again, interesting title because there's two predators, right? But maybe they're just discussing the bigger one. I, I don't know. So the issue, I guess, with the title is um, the Predator is an interesting franchise uh, in the in so much as that it was um, 
created uh, by by brothers Jim Thomas and John Thomas uh, in that era of, I guess, possibly we're, we're, we're 30 years from it now, but where some of the best franchises were built. Alien, Terminator, uh, Predator. Um, and and I think the thing, the, the interesting thing with, um, <laughs> with Predators is it's missing the Midas touch of one person in the in the two other franchises that we've mentioned, which is James Cameron. Um, and I, the reason I, I bring up his name is that he was somewhat involved in the design of the Predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some influence in like the way the Predator actually looked. Um, but but the pr- Predator is a film that has never found its footing beyond its first movie. Sure. It's, it's never found a place... Uh, that makes it that makes the expansion of the universe interesting. Now, I went down before prepping for this episode. What I went down a rabbit hole was the Predator mythology built around the movies um, that that has existed in comic books primarily, in novelization, in video games, uh, in in um, a lot of material extraneous to the films themselves. Uh, I, I found out about the Yucha, which is which is the Predators' technical terminology in the in the lore and mythology and and how their stories work and the various races of Predator. But ultimately, none of that has any bearings on the movies themselves. And the thing I think that's I mean, interesting about Predator is, again, I think that first film is so terrific. I think it's a better first movie than Terminator, for example. Oh, yeah. And I think it's on par with Alien uh, as, as, mm-hmm. as a great first film. I, I, in fact, for me personally, I'd probably... I, 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 I can't say that it's a better movie than Alien, but I think I enjoy it more than Alien. Okay. Um, but it's never... Unlike those other two movies, which found kind of an expansive role in their sequel, who, which found kind of broader philosophical exploration as the franchise continued, Predator never did that. I think I think they've struggled to do that. Um, yes, and, and every, I, and, one, every one of those franchises has had at least one film that has done that, yeah, other exactly. than Predator. <laughs> and both have been both have been directed by James Cameron. Yeah. Um, in this case, uh, so that's that's kind of what I, I'm not necessarily hoping for the film to get bogged down in philosophy, story, or anything like that. Uh, I don't think Aliens, for example, does that. I think what Aliens does is expand the world in a way that is interesting and dynamic and makes the makes the the compelling reason to come back to the story. Sure. And unfortunately for me, uh, Shane Black's iteration, now again, you know, like the the connection to the franchise, Shane Black acted in the first movie. Right, which is hilarious. It's just hilarious. And I I believe there's some, there's some, I I couldn't figure out if this was actually legitimate or not, but there was some idea that he was hired um, to kind of oversee the first film as a writer. He was brought on as an actor, so he'd be on set all the time so he could do script rewrites if they they needed to. And it turns out that he actually didn't have to. Right. Uh, So that's why he was there. So uh, And then he's had an interesting trajectory as a writer, obviously uh, writing the Lethal Weapon series. Monster uh, Squad with his buddy. Monster Squad, yeah, with Fred Dicker. Um, And then uh, kind of having a renaissance, uh, a black renaissance, I guess, Um, a Shane Black and Aesons. Sure. Uh, with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, leading that him into Iron Man 3, uh, The Nice Guys, and now into, you know, kind of taking that and, sure. and molding it and coming back to the franchise where we might have first seen him for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think this movie has very little. For me, this movie do, offers no compelling reason to come back to this franchise. It has one interesting idea in it that I kind of like. I think and, it has two. Uh, perhaps. Um, and but it, but it kind of feels like the... Uh, it's not as messy as the Fantastic Four movie was. 
but it feels like it's in the same ballpark of like let's splatter a thousand ideas here and see which ones stick and then and then go in some direction that doesn't quite make sense it's not quite as incoherent as the fantastic four film but again as a fox property it kind of feels like it's like let's try a bunch of things let's see which one works let's abandon them halfway let's move on beyond that and then let's just let's just wrap this thing up and get out of here it's very interesting you bring that up because my gut reaction was to attack yeah but i'm not going to because i think you're 100 percent correct uh but the interesting part about that is and i guess this will sort of transition into my first thoughts about the of, about the film in general so fan fan fortastic uh was just a shit show through and through. Everyone right. on it didn't seem like they were enjoying it. No, uh, and, it's not as bad as that. And <laughs> I know. And, and like, and if you watch it, you literally can't. Not only can you not follow what is going on at all, right. but you're, you know, like when you're watching either a play or you're watching television or a movie or whatever, you kind of know if people are having a great time doing it. Yeah. I, I just uh, what was watching Luke Cage uh, <laughs> episode three, season two, Misty Knight and uh, and Colleen Wing where it had this scene where they're commiserating in a bar and they get into a bar fight. And that entire time, uh, I was just like, these actors mm-hmm. are loving what they're doing. Like it, you could just see it. So when so Fan Fantastic had none of that. Right. This film. I think has a, a chaotic joy to it that a lot of Shane Black films do have, right? And I think he, he you know, um, the the way that this film is constructed is incredibly poor. Rumors are that even before the Olivia Munn thing with the scene cut out, this movie was about two hours and twenty minutes ish, and they called it the night cut. And the third act was so dark that they had to reshoot a lot of the third act. Okay. Um, and and then Fox came in and cut it down to an hour forty because they. It's funny they did the thing that studios seem to do all the time. They hire a specific director that does a specific thing and then they're shocked when he does that specific thing and they're like whoa 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 we wanted the standard thing and they're like why did you hire me yeah um so there the the film itself was gutted on the studio level which is another reason why i think you're getting that fan fantastic uh sort of a bit of a feel to it yeah i think though the difference here for me is Predator as a franchise, and I think due to the fact that the, the thing you brought up, they didn't have uh, a, a, another film in the in the oeuvre that uh, gave it a depth right. beyond the first film. Yeah, and then the well, so the other ones sort of had that, but Predator never did. So I think Predator is kind of in a place trying to find its footing. Yeah, and if it wants to become a little bit of the, for lack of a better term, Twenty One Jump Street of action horror. <laughs> Like I, I'm okay with that, and I, and I actually, to be honest with you, and this might be where where the fighting words start. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed watching this film. It <laughs> is a beautiful mess. <laughs> like it is just schlock to the max. It is a sloppy edit. Yeah. Uh, there are lines and thoughts that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain lines where an actor will say something, it'll be brilliant and hilarious or meaningful, and then then five minutes later, the same actor will say something that I'm like, did you do what? Yeah. Like, it's so uneven, it's ridiculous. But I had a grin on my face most of the entire time, whether that grin was from a cool one-liner or a neat action sequence or being like, what the, what the shit were they thinking here? Like, yeah. I had fun with it, and I think... A big part of that is also who and where you see something like this with. Right. I saw it with college friends who are out of town at the Alamo Draft House. By the way, shout out to Alamo Draft House, Brooklyn. Uh, it is literally my favorite movie going experience. I am very, very sad that I don't live near one. Okay. Um, 
it it was so fun and the theater like was laughing and having a great time and, you know that always affects things too right it is just it's it, it's weird i would call the film's sloppiness hokey and i would say that the joy that it seemed like was being portrayed by those involved on screen transcended the mess and made it a nice time for me Okay, who who do you think was? I mean, just you know, just as an example, what what who do you think was having a good time? And I, everybody, and, and, and I, like, I mean, every so like you know, even for instance, uh, what's his name, Boyd Holbrook, yeah. uh, the main guy, who yeah. I, I the only thing I've really seen him in was Logan, yeah, and his character was just being douchey there, like with yeah. no real redeeming qualities, but like a swagger, yeah, um, and I didn't really connect with him there. I didn't really connect with him at a hundred percent here by any means, but like there were times where I was like. Oh, this is an actual character that is saying something cool or funny, and then what? But again, it whiplashes you back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, Travante uh, Rhodes actually was kind of a bit of a of a show stealer for me. Like I, I watched this movie, and I think my main, you know, it's it sort of it's like an old criticism that we've had uh, on this podcast many times, but. I don't understand why Boyd Holbrook was the lead character in this film. Uh, like Travante. Like, this is the thing about Trevante Rhodes to me, uh, obviously coming off Moonlight. Um, this man is, uh, <laughs> is, is unearthly, is, is a movie, is a, an unearthly movie star. Yeah. This guy is, incre- you know, I'll take a pause here and just hold up for a second here. This is a beautiful man. Sure. You know, like, this is just a goddamn beautiful man. You don't man. have to say pause here. No, it's I'm, okay. I'm, I'm taking it because I just I just want to I just want to like pause. He's and, a good and, looking dude. And point it. No, no, he is a beautiful beautiful human being. Um and 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 he's also he's also incredibly charismatic. Like to the you know like where like you said every line he's in, even the way he says probably, you know like he's yeah. probably. Yeah. Uh, I was like why aren't you the star of this movie? That's very true. Why aren't you the star of every movie at this point? And 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 that that kind of thing where and I, I hate to phrase it in this in these terms, but generic white guy is the lead in the movie. And I'm like, why? I don't know. Benicio del Toro was supposed to be that character. Was supposed to be Boyd. Possibly uh, and, more. And, I, it was, I, and it was. And it was. And it was due to a scheduling conflict. That it has, he wasn't. And you know what? The reason I hate saying that is because it has nothing to do with his whiteness or anything like that. It just has to do with this sort of genericness about it that that has that that is like a thing we've seen a thousand times before. Yeah, that's generic. And and I was like, why why is this guy the lead of this movie? Um I guess it's because the family dynamic lines up, but you could cast You could do I, it. you could you could do 100%. it the other way. And and Travante Rhodes is so much better of a lead. It's like, you know, if casting is 90% of your movie, here's 90% of the problem. You know? Uh yeah. Sure, I, I think they would have made a uh, more interesting and more varied feeling film without question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, to be honest, I think, uh, you know, a couple of different casting choices around here or there could have been done. Like, I think, again, I love Alfie Allen, yeah. uh, but at the same time... He's just kind of in this He's just movie. kind of there, and, yeah. and it's it, you know what I'm finding? There's an interesting Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. issue in Hollywood where you're excited to see every person in Game of Thrones do other things. Yeah. But then you realize as you're watching it that you don't care. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe with the exception of Peter Dinklage and uh, Lena, uh, Lena um, um, Henley. Henley? Henley. Henley. Who is a delight. But like, I'm talking about people that I, I didn't know of beforehand right. yeah. that I fell in love with on a series. And then you're like, I mean, they're good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the other problem here is, is, that, is that there, to me, narrative wise, there are a bunch of story elements thrown up up top. And none of them really have any significant payoff. Oh, they go nowhere. And, and some of them are really dumb. Some of them are really good. 
Uh, well, so so give me a dumb one. Give me a dumb one. Autistic kid. Autistic kid who can talk to talk to aliens and uh, and then you know has difficulty uh, in terms of like being in a room with a fire alarm, but is cool with like guns and explosions going off behind his head and suddenly becoming the key factor in a in a in a intergalactic uh, space battle. If we want to talk problems in Hollywood, yeah, um, we could talk about the and again, I don't have all the facts on this, but I'll just this, I'm sort of saying things that I've heard and, and agree with to a point. Yeah. Um, there's the idea that having um, uh, Asperger's or Asperger's autism. makes you a genius. Uh, makes you a genius. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or you know, people. The handling of basically Hollywood's handling of uh, intellectual disabilities is real bad and confusing, and makes sort of a thing in a public in a public sense. Can, it muddies the issue further. Right. So to have that be there, I was like, and again, from a, from a from a simplified, not looking at the outer you know effects on the world narrative perspective, it's interesting enough, and it you know it it, it, it like Hollywood has made it such a trope that I'm like, oh, it makes sense when it doesn't, it, you know, it, it, that sort of thing. Um, I think that you know, there's enough of a little bit of a hand wave to it in here that kind of makes it okay, but it sort of it just doesn't add up in any Here's the meaningful deal. way. I'm not saying that I, I again intellectual disabilities in Hollywood handled poor, poorly most ninety percent of the time. Yeah. There's no reason he had to have Asperger's. Right. Uh he could have just been a quiet kid that was a genius. Right. And it would have affected nothing. Now there is a theme of uh intellectual disability throughout the film. Yeah. And I think that is it's good to, and this is where I get on both but sides of the example, thing. Tourette's doesn't really add up to anything. Well, Tourette's Shane Black has Tourette, right? But uh, the character and so, in this film doesn't. No, no, and, and that's what's weird. Like the character that um, that um, Thomas Jane Thomas Jane plays has Tourette, and it, uh, it it's played for comedy, yeah, a lot. And but then you find out that Shane Black has it, and then I and I, I don't know. Like it's anyway. Uh, every every main character in this film, I think, outside of Mun. Yeah, uh, has uh, an intellectual disability of one way or another, and I and I think it, this it's good and bad. It's right. good because it puts them in the public light and says these are people that can accomplish things regardless. Right. It's bad because it shorthands it and might uh, put on uh, auspices of things that are aren't exactly like. Not granted, it's a predator movie, so you can take. Ex it's just it 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 might. I'm glad that it puts people out there and saying that they're competent, but I don't like the way that it kind of. Uh, hand waves kind of a lot of the bad stuff, kind of like what you said, like you know, with the fire alarms and then the gunfire is fine. Like it hand waves away some of the the, the more real bad stuff. So if you're going to tackle a real issue, it should be a little more real, or even if you're fighting a giant space monster. Also, there's this sort of fundamental problem here, which is that this is the thing that Alien, Terminator, uh, the original Predator film gets so right that this film just doesn't seem to function on on that level. Now, maybe there was an attempt to, and maybe it just got lost in the edit. But but in those films, for example, like the, the sort of troop of uh, uh, infiltration forces in the original Predator uh -huh. had this kind of like aggressive masculinity about them, which all got stripped away by the Predator. The Predator was actually, you know, on one hand is a is an attacker, uh, you know, a physical monster, but on the other hand is a psychological uh, nemesis to those characters. Like, the Predator does, you know, like, 
really penetrates the thing that they are not good at. And that's what makes him terrifying, you know. And and the the beauty of the original Predator film is Arnie gets stripped down to basically having to think his way out of problems, as opposed to expo- you know, as yeah. opposed to actually like muscling his way mm-hmm. out of problems. And that's why I love that film. You know, it's kind of the Home Alone in a jungle with, with a with a giant monster. Right. This the you know I, I the idea that you mentioned, which is that everyone in this film kind of has some sort of intellectual disability, and there's a line in the film where uh, I think Olivia Munn's character says something. You know, she's an evolutionary biologist supposedly. Mm-hmm. And she says some people believe. Not supposedly, that's what her job was. Well, I, I didn't understand how an evolutionary biologist, in the context of this movie, you know, suddenly became like uh, basically a paramilitary person. You know, like was jumping. You know, like sure. But if we're if we're gonna, I, that's I, I will I will I will be fine with that hand wave because that's literally every action that's character every and action, everything. Anyway, I it's 100% an action agree. Trip. Yeah, completely. But it's like there's there's not even a hint of like. There's not enough to make that make sense in this movie. Like, <laughs> like not for me. Like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't buy it. Um, I, 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 I and, but I'm 100% on board with what you're saying, which is that it is a trope of every action movie. But I yeah. feel like in most action movies, and the only one that comes to mind is Die Hard, uh, there is a sense that this person has some experience in that field. Uh, I can't, you know, like in this one, suddenly this evolutionary biologist is brought into this room to like, look at the you know dna samples is suddenly waving a machine gun you know has almost all experience with us and is jumping on aliens and stabbing them in the head i'm kind of like oh am i i don't mind it i don't mind it at all here with this because because of basically and again it all goes down to the sort of precedent that the film places on on actions and things and the way people can actually behave in this world right other characters behave weirdly and erratically and outside of what a normal person or normal situation would do hell the 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 fact that there's an alien on a table and and fi- by the way yes. the, that scene that scene oh, in the God. entire movie like in that takes place both the dialogue and then the action sequence that happens in the lab mm. one of my favorite moments of the movie but when the main bad guy mm. is walking around and and they're, they're the joke of like well it's actually more of a hunter or kind of a like a bass fisherman really he's like yeah. no nah, we voted it's predator it sounds way more bad yeah, yeah. It's, it's like we've agreed right fuck yeah like there's a moment of those kind of i, I would call it um reality disarming moments yeah Give me the pedigree enough to not give a shit that Olivia Munn kind of goes like like to becomes like a military. Here, here's person. the difference: we're going to be talking about uh, Shaun of the Dead in a couple of weeks, yeah. which has uh, a similar kind of reality-defying, uh, fourth wall-breaking nod to the audience uh-huh. kind of uh, step to it. But it's in service of a story that is genuinely affecting and is genuinely. Um, functional in terms of like making those action beats work and i and for me the other thing here is that none of the action beats really work for me like oh, disagree. They, they just all kind of you know there's this what it feels like is is though i was trying to like quantify or or, or characterize this film in some way and it kind of oddly as much as i like shane black this feels like a very big budget fan film like it feels like a couple of fans of the original movie got together and de- and decided to kind of pew 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 this movie and that's what we get and I and I'm and I, I you know I have uh, I have only so much patience in my in in my in my uh, daily schedule and that was a mo- you know like I I found none of the action beats kind of that convincing I found Predator not scary I found most of the time it was kind of confusing as to what was happening Predator dogs I was like oh boy we're back in Ang Lee's Hulk world again um, I just I I wasn't. I, I can't say much of this landed. There were a couple of ideas well, in this film that it had up top that I thought were interesting ideas. And I want to get to those in a second, but I do want to sort of... Uh, 
I agree a hundred percent. Just think, just before you before you say uh-huh. that, think about Mission Impossible Fallout. Sure, a movie that I story wise was kind of not on board for, but it was like. I am here. Mission Impossible Fallout is a way better action film than the than the Predator. There's no question. That's yeah. cool. But the the Predator it only is good in my opinion because it is a hodgepodge of stuff that and, and honestly the thing that you're I think that you don't enjoy a lot in cinema are things that I do. Shocker, we haven't had this conversation before. Yeah, yeah. But but I do think calling something a fan film or or akin to a fan film is a, is meant to be a derogatory term in mm. this particular case. Right. Uh, and I've done that before, I think. Yeah. Um, but I honestly think this, uh, it, it, and I, in this case, I would honestly flip the script and use that as a compliment in okay. this case for me. Because you, I, 100%, feels like a fan film. You know what it feels like? It feels like, um, uh, I, I don't know why this just came to my mind, but I don't know if you remember before the time of YouTube when Titanic came out, T-I-E-Tanic, uh, and it was TIE fighters and Darth Vader attacking the Titanic, and they intercut. Like, they did a lot of really good special effects work to, like, make that the reason why the Titanic sunk. Okay. Uh, it's very funny. You can probably check it out. It's only in SD, I'm sure. Yeah. But that was a fan film that was silly and nonsensical and got that person eventually a job at Lucasfilm, who I think they actually work there to this day in uh, at, uh, Industrial Light and Magic or whatever. Um, but, like, so, like, that's an idea, example of something that, like, is something a fan film that I find value in, where a lot of, quote, fan films is just people dicking around with a camera. Right. Uh, the, the Power Rangers... Uh, uh, thing that they that uh, um, what's it called? Bandai had them take down was Just a fan a con, was yeah. a fan film that I think was brilliant and a, yeah, and a cool, I, interesting thing. But that's so. For instance, this pr- the Predator. I'm psyched that it feels like that because so many times the good fan films don't get made or budgeted properly to be made. Right. I don't think this is a good fan film. I know. I do. <laughs> I. I. And again, let me let me also say this. My enjoyment of this film lessened every act. Right. I feel like I'm heaping praise onto it. Yeah. The beginning, like the first half I was in, hell, the first, and, and, and again, credit maybe to projection at, at Alamo, but when it came on and the spaceship, this is a minor spoiler for the first two minutes of the movie, uh, it, to travel, like the one Predator ship's hunting another one, and to get away, it shoots like a neuron bomb or something that rips a hole in space time and that's what let it, lets it like travel or like warp or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, and after doing a bunch of episodes at Extra Credits on quantum computing and sort of the way, you know, entangled particles work and stuff I was like this is such a cool sci-fi idea I haven't seen before and they don't it's it's a throwaway thing they don't go into it but I was like oh shit and like that got me pumped for the rest of it the lab stuff great as it transitions to like battle around Halloween and then like the third act which you can tell is reshot like that's in a generic jungle to kind of be like an homage or whatever down to the point where the first couple referential lines like you're a beautiful motherfucker or get to the choppers when they're talking no I love those but but then they feel like it loses the it loses the love a third of the uh, like near the the last third of the film because like there's that moment when uh, the, the, I'm not going to spoil this because you know it's kind of coming. We've been talking for a bit. Uh, main guy is over the super predator, and the super predator has been defeated. And he leans in like Arnold does in the first movie, and Arnold goes, "What are you?" Yeah. And then the predator in the first movie goes, he mimics it back, yeah, "What yeah. are you?" Yeah. And then uh, the bomb, right? Yeah. In this case, they try to make they try to play it for a gag. Mm-hmm. He says, "What are you?" And the predator goes, "What are?" And he goes, "I don't fucking care," or whatever, mm-hmm. and he shoots him in the face. Yeah. And I was like. The other lines in the film were of service to uh, like a fun reminder. And this was like spitting in the face of something in a weird way. And and at that moment, I was like, 
you didn't get why like at that point I think they'd forgotten what was special. Right. And uh and the very end is the dumbest shit yeah. like at, I've seen at for an ending in a long time. I think I can agree with the trajectory of your enjoyment of the film. Like the first half of the movie, I was kind of I yeah. was there for, you know, like I was I was kind of not in love with, but I was like, I didn't feel offended by or anything like that. And it's just as as it further the the longer it went on, the more it became people just shooting at each other and you know explosions and and I and the thing is that's not what that first Predator film is. No, no, that, that first Predator film is a hundred and eighty degrees away sure. from that. By the end and, of this movie, it actually becomes a literal episode of Big Bad Beetleborgs. I'm not kidding. I don't know what that is. That is a ripoff of Power Rangers from the late or the early 90s. It okay. is a terrible, terrible syndicated show, but the yeah. suit that they do at the end looks like a suit from that fucking show right. that was forever years old and on basic cable ripped off from Power Rangers. So, I was just like... So the idea I liked, the ideas that I liked had to do with this idea that the Predator had... You know, there's this thing about the Predator, I, I guess... We're getting into spoilers now. Yeah, more no, so. we're, we're spoiling it. But but the, there's a thing about the Predator, which is like in every in every cinematic Predator instance, the Predator always gets bested by the humans. Um, and, and I kind of like the idea that the Predators were kind of cottoning on to that fact and were like, hey, maybe we're not so good at this. And that they were evolving and they were trying to figure out a way to kind of best the humans in some interesting yeah. way. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is an interesting idea. And then there was this, this sort of, I guess, almost uh, Terminator 2-esque reversal of a Predator that was trying to help humans. Which made little to no sense. Made little to no sense. But I kind of was like... You know, like, that's a thread that I think if was tugged in the right direction could have been an interesting and compelling reason to make this movie. Yeah, I was waiting for the team-up. I thought there'd be a team-up, like a legitimate team-up, and it'd be silly, but I thought that the good the good Predator, the original-style Predator, would help them fight the Super Predator, which doesn't really but happen. But then the Super Predator is, like, it's also, to me, there's a, like, there's a sort of... Moment-to-moment uh, -moment narrative confusion about what the super predator can do, what it does, what it, how it w works, and how yeah. it operates, and like what it's p p other than it's eleven foot tall, which is bigger than the other guy, and it can grow an exo an exoskeleton <laughs> under its skin, and it can do like you know, but so, so what? But like, the interesting you know I mean? thing that was actually an interesting toss to Alien because what the, the the thing that we're sort of skirting around is that they find out that the predators are basically uh, basically um, finger-picking genomes from the species that they hunt and integrating it into themselves to become stronger beings. And take, and that's interesting. I like that idea. They, then they throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the super predator has basically, um, it, it has evolved in certain ways. For instance, it has a xenomorph exoskeleton underneath its, its thing. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, the CG is garbage. You don't quite see it, but they kind of reference it. Right. And I, could it be done better? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think another reason why the action beats work better for me in the first half of the film than the second half is by the second half the regular predator is gone and the and it's we're only dealing with cgi town super predator right the, when it's the regular predator the guy in the suit that there's the other thing too so we've talked about the reason why the story has sort of kept the first predator alive and in the public zeitgeist yeah. the other thing is the character design the costume design and the creature design jamie was telling me an interesting story about one of the designers on the original predator he was going back to set uh and he had to have ideas for what it looked like yeah and he didn't have anything he was sitting on a plane with somebody and there was someone else in Hollywood that was sitting next to him was like, what are you drawing? He's like, oh, I have to draw a monster thing, whatever. And the guy next to him was like, you should give it mandibles. You know who that person was? Who? James, James Cameron? Cameron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. So like, that's the thing. So like, 
there's there's something amazing to the predator, not only just the cool face, but like everything on the armor. And this is so rare in creature design, especially intelligent creature design. Yeah, everything has a purpose. Down to like the stupid mesh isn't just to look cool; it's to attach trophies and weapons to like cross its body. Like everything in it, if you look at the actual costume, makes sense for what it is and what its purpose is. And that's something that feels so visceral when it's a man in a suit. Yeah. Um. Fun fact, speaking of suits, the original CGI suit, because Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah, was the original guy who got fired, <laughs> that suit is actually being worn for, in the Halloween scene when the kids are walking like a wide shot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, for those of you who don't know, Jean-Claude Van Damme was in the original Predator suit uh, back for the first movie and then got fired for some reason. I, well, I think there was something. Or he left he, or something. The, 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 the creature design also changed, and, yeah. and what he was doing wasn't working for what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I think that's a huge reason why the Predator stays in the public zeitgeist is because it's a well-designed creature. And yeah. I like, and it's it's so well designed that people really thirst for more backstory to it. Yeah. Um. And uh, the, in the second half of the film, you kind of lose that in this one because yeah. you're just dealing with the CGI version of a cooler thing in the beginning. And and for me, having action beats that a to me aren't executed very well, or or they're not executed in a way that makes them compellingly interesting. Like, there's no reason. For us, to, you know, like it just feels again, sort of this sort of pew 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 pew. They got and less then, and, and less. And there's a sort of um, there's a there's a little bit of a um, a sort of I guess you might call it the Deadpool kind of approach to violence and 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 yeah. and, and and language, which is like, hey, we're you know, Jacob Tremblay is going to say fuck motherfucker at some point, uh, you know, eleven year old kid, and and this sort of like, hey, we we are doing bloods and guts. You're going to see heads ripped off, that kind of thing. But it feels inconsequential and it feels sort of i guess for lack of a better term childish sure you know, oh it's 100 percent. and it's it's a weird tonal shift too yeah. because it goes from super childish and dumb to lines that actually like hit and land for me like for instance and again one of the things in the beginning of the film when the kid answers the door and it's the mailman and he's asking for his dad he's like oh is he in the service he's like yeah he kills people so you get to be a mailman and right. i was like fuck like that's it, it, it that's like i kind of like that shane blackness of yeah. that, of those lines but they they don't mesh with what the film actually is i think they do i think the the hodgepodge of it or maybe the juxtaposition of it and the fact that maybe they don't mesh now that i'm sort of thinking about it is what kind of works for me okay um when they do work for me again there's plenty of lines that don't work for me in this film i've talked about a few of them but like it's just it's again it goes back to it's taking a franchise that has never found its like actual like thematic importance footing. Yeah. And it's going, it's taking, it's like, okay, we haven't really found that thing yet. And not saying that it couldn't be there, but now we're gonna do a different direction and we're gonna try to make it more of a of a of a sort of action comedy thing. Yeah. And they are doing a bit of a Deadpool stuff, though. Not not quite as not, like on the nose, yeah. but but uh, but there's just this sort of like tonality to the thing. That I find the tonality sort of incongruous and and not there's a there's a thing about the original Predator where the the hyper masculinity of the film leads into the ultimate demise of the Predator yes. is the abandoning of that hyper masculinity is the is the you know the choosing brawn, uh, brain over brawn. Yeah. Um, but this film doesn't do no. that doesn't kind of have anything to say about it. It just kind of like 
lumbers forward into like a third act that, that, that again, kind of feels like the way Fantastic Four was just sort of like, let's just get this over and done with and move on. This feels like a classroom of good to decent ideas, but not actually someone leading it anywhere. It feels like, like for instance, another great idea. The reason why Predator sightings in this film, and they bring this up twice, are happening more and more is because the Predators know that literally global warming is killing us, and in a couple generations, humans will go away, so they want to get their sport in while the getting's good. Like Interesting. Or, or they believe that the planet could be terraformed to... Eventually, too. That's another idea. Interesting idea. Uh, and and then I, the only motivation, because I was trying to think of what the motivation of the, quote, good predator could mm. have been, and I was wondering if it was the equivalent of... Yeah, why does the good predator want to get so this This suit? is my own, and this is literally me coming up with the reason. It is not. It is not stated at all. But the good predator is trying to deliver this thing called the predator killer. Side note, should have been a xenomorph yeah. um, to the humans, and then the bad predator is trying to get him and stop him. Right, uh, the super predator. Uh, the 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 main predator I could was sort of seeing as basically like a deer hunter or a game warden in the sense of like it sees that overpopulation or it sees a problem that people are having is is going to kill its favorite animal to hunt yeah. and it will make it go away so he's trying to make sure that animal will always be there for him to hunt if right. that or for his people to yeah. hunt no i i totally see you but they never say that. that no 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 I, I, that's reaching i mean yeah. i'm doing it yeah you're 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 reaching the movie's reaching and for me there's not a lot to latch onto i i'm kind of um on board with you in that the first like i said the first half of the movie yeah i was like unoffended by it you know like i was kind of like yeah i'm I'm here, you know, like, right. I'll, I'll see where this is going. Uh, but by the last act, I was like, boy, yeah, I, why am I here? You know, like, what, what what reason is for me is there for me to be in this movie theater at this point? Yeah. And they, they, for me, there was very little reason. My, my reason was just sort of enjoying a B movie with a bunch of friends. Right, but that has, like... I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. That has little to do with the movie. That has more to do with you and your friends, right? Uh, I think, it, I, honestly, it's a symbiotic relationship. And right. God, we're going to be talking about that garbage coming up soon, Venom. But that's not <laughs> what I mean right here. I just mean it's 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 a it's a give and take. The film is giving us something, and we're giving something back to the film in a weird way. Right. Uh, to to we're we're filling in the pieces that it's lacking, but it's also giving us the space to do that, and that's important. Yeah. In certain things, like I didn't go into this movie thinking it was going to, uh, I was going to come out of it like thinking a lot of interesting and important ideas. I went in, and I'm not saying you did either. I'm just yeah. saying I, I, I knew what I was getting into, and honestly, the fact that it was getting like 50s on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I'm you're, like, you were sufficiently prepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so see, this is the thing, uh, you know. And again, I hate to harp on about it, but this is the thing. <laughs> no, like, you don't. Like. Predator is not a movie where I philosophize, you know, come out with a lot of philosophical ideas about mm -hmm. it, but I come out with a clear, a clear one, coherent experience that functions on both a pleasurable and psychological level. Sure. So there's no, you know, like it, 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 it kind of passes the basic test for me to be there. 100%. You know what I mean? But the preceding four films before this one have abandoned that. So I was ready. Right, if that makes so your, do, do your you know what I mean. Expectations were sufficiently buried. <laughs> Not even, and that makes it sound a little harsher than I think I want to be. I was then prepped for what style of film this was going to be. If it now here we go. If this had come out directly after the first Predator, yeah, I think I would have been like, interesting choice. It's it's interesting because <laughs> I was trying to think about this versus Predator Two, which is a movie I've seen a bunch of times for for some reason, and, and I think it sort of works better than Predator Two. 
but it's kind of in the same... Predator 2 gets weird and sort of like exploitative of like everything. No, yeah. Predator 2 is like a sleazy B-movie. kind. has this kind of like weird yeah. RoboCop kind of vibe to but it. But like RoboCop without the message. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but I think I think this, fun- this movie functions slightly better, but only because of the amount of time between Predator and this one. You know, like, he's given it the opportunity to do bigger things. I think if you're not going to do the thing that Predator 1 does, this is the next best thing. I think th- I think the, the, the direction of us, the way the story is told, could it be cleaner? Could yeah. it be less of a mess? Yeah. Mm. But then would that, honestly, if you're not going to do the real deep dive into something a little bit more meaningful, is that even remotely as fun? I, I don't think it needs to be meaningful. I just think it needs to have a single core idea that they can, like... Wouldn't that be the meaning? Well, but it's, but it's like... I, I don't mean that people have to sit around and have conversations. Or... But you want it to say something. And no, I'm okay it, with it I just sort it of... I want function, is what I want. It I want, functions. I, d- d- see, for me, that that second <laughs> half just doesn't function. It functions. It, it, barely, it barely holds together. It crossed it, the finish it's, line. It, it's finish line, it, its measure of functionality here is it's slightly better than Fantastic Four. That's not like a high it's bar. It's way better than Fantastic <laughs> it's Four. It's not a high bar that way I'm talking better. about here. Go back and listen to our Fantastic Fan Fantastic <laughs> review. Like, And this is the thing, if we're comparing it to action movies, I, I'm not 100% on board with the storyline in Mission Impossible Fallout, but that movie functions. You know, like it actually kind of coherently pulls itself together and has something that it's trying to do. It functions differently. This film doesn't function yes, for me. It, 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 for you, sure. Yeah. I can't argue that. You, no. you throw the, the you after it. I can't be like, yes, it does. But also for the reasons I've outlined in terms of like narrative points that make no sense, that that feel like this movie is, is tugging in a million different directions without having any semblance, like you even said, without anyone at the helm sure. to kind of guide this into a place. The narrative, the narrative makes enough sense to me. And it, granted, it's the parts of the car are falling off during the race, yeah. but it still finishes the race. It still gets to a conclusion that makes sense with the story that they are telling. Could it have been a smoother ride? Fuck yes. <laughs> but it, it it also kind of told me. By the way, we bought this car at a used car lot, and oh, by the way, there's no floor under the passenger seat, so just enjoy watching the road go by. And you're like, what? By the way, the seatbelts gone and you're like shit you know, like, you know the thing is is i could be on board for that movie if it was fun and it's I had not fun. i, I had know fun. you had fun i know you had fun but you had fun because you were with people you liked and you saw it in a good theater and you had a good experience why didn't you do that i i have no friends <laughs> <laughs> no but i did i, I just say you hate fun i haven't said that in a while no, oh, I yeah. but no but i i i didn't find anything sort of pleasurable in this movie like like i did in mission impossible okay you know what i mean all right um well oh by the way i just want (laughs) to we didn't do this and i know we normally should have done it beforehand i want to read imdb i also want to read out jamesa's review let me do this and we'll go right into that because this is a silly one (laughs) when a young boy accidentally triggers the universe's most lethal hunters return to earth only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race is she a science teacher is it the end of the human race she's yeah. not no but then was the- she a science te- oh well she's a science teacher in trump's america which means she knows how to use a gun 
Is that that's what Jesus. it is? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that that that. Uh, that she's not a she's a professor yeah. of evolutionary biology. Shh, teacher. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was a very bad uh, IMDb synopsis. Okay, anyway, let's uh, finish up the email. Yeah, with Jamesa's email again. She wrote this to us uh, early on, so we couldn't read it. We only did this movie to read this email. Um, I'm glad we did uh, because she saw an advanced screening. Let me tell you, it was a good time. Disagree. Uh, I had little Agreed. to no expectations. Same setup as Matt. I just wanted to see if it would be good or trash. Um, first of all, this was an action comedy that didn't take itself seriously at all. Death scenes were over the top. The predator blood and gore were unbelievable, but did make you go, yikes. Uh, the CGI was terrible, and we all know Fox had enough coins to fix that with reshoots and pushing back the opening date. There was a reference to the previous. Uh, there were references to the previous movies, however, inconsequential to the plot. The action, comedy, ad libs, and chemistry of the cast was the engine that kept the film going. That is until the third act. <laughs> so I think we're, you know, inadvertently we have like uh, uh, found the uh, analogy for this film, which is the. Uh, the death race car that has been once around the track maybe four times too many yep. is slightly falling apart that was picked up uh, in a secondhand sale. The third act of the film is flat. You could tell this was a major reshoot section and it must have been worse because it was garbage. And they put a, uh, uh, what is that, on an E on the Garbage. Thing? Yes, it was garbage. Uh, though Quinn, Rory, and Doc were survivors, I felt Nebraska, hey, mm -hmm. was the real hero of the film for his sacrifice. Uh, I categorized this film with Eight-Legged Freaks was written by... Uh, uh, previous guest on the show, uh, Randy Cornfield. So, what up, Randy? What up, Randy? Oh, uh, we I, love Randy. I, I think Eight Legged Freaks is a little bit better than this movie, but whatever. That's just me. I, I love Eight Legged Freaks. I had a good time at this movie. Okay. Uh, uh, finally, this is the last statement, uh, and I think you you touched on this before. Using the word retarded in 2018 is still not okay, especially yeah. referring to a child on the autism spectrum. Keegan Michael Key has the gift that keeps on giving and secure the bag, Sterling K. Brown. Uh, secure the bag. Is that another line from a film? I, uh, from the I film? actually don't know. I don't remember. You've stumped us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Jameza, for that uh, email and basically being the reason we saw this movie over the weekend. Thank you so much. Um, I Oh, uh, pro tip from me, which is, uh, this is just, uh, this happened because of timing, uh, but I had to go see this movie in IMAX because uh, I had a specific window that I could only see right, this movie right, right, in right. and I went to it and I didn't realize that was the IMAX screening. And just a Pro tip, if you have time and don't make the same mistake I did, seeing a movie in IMAX uh, that hasn't been shot in IMAX is a complete waste of your money. 100%. Uh, do not do that. Um, so uh, I'll just put that out there. It's a That's, sham scam. That, that is the lesson. And uh, the only other lesson is look up where the IMAX theaters are in your uh, city or nearby you. There are only actually a few uh, in North America. That are true IMAX that and, not, true. and not LIMAX. Yeah, that are not LIMAX. But uh, this is also LIMAX if it's playing in a full IMAX theater that it wasn't shot for IMAX. But it is a true IMAX theater. True IMAX theater, not true IMAX film, therefore, LIMAX. Yeah. Um, I would not, could not in a boat. <laughs> so that wraps up uh, The Predator. Yeah, uh, this has been the only podcast about the film The Predator. Yeah, uh, just checking our number. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're the only we're people. The only one. We just did... Yeah. Yep, I checked all of the, the the internets and we're it. I just had Jacob Tremblay decipher some predator uh uh language from us and yes, he agrees. Uh, uh we are we're, it. we're uh what are you? What, what, are, you? <laughs> what are you? And it may 
made no sense in this movie when he said it because he knows exactly what he is. Yeah, what are you? Oh. God, this movie. Uh, and wait, how, just before we go out, how are you feeling on Shane Black? Because I know you love the nice guys. I wasn't as much of a fan. I know you love Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Which uh, actually, again, my rewatching, go back to listen to the Phase uh, 2 yeah. podcast with Shalia Evans. Shout out to Shalia. Love Shalia. Um, we, I, I, you know, I didn't actually love Iron Man 3 as much as I thought I loved Iron Man 3. I still enjoy it, but I, I used to really ardently like fight for it. And yeah. now that fight has since left. How's how's the how's your fight for Shane Black going right now? Um, on a on a on the work that the man does, uh, I think I do still really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, all the personal stuff we talked about before aside, uh, and we'll talk about all that in our in our actual separating the art from the artist sort of thing. Um, but uh, I I like. I like his style of just kind of taking a, a standardized thing and blowing it up in a beautiful, chaotic, mess, messy, messy way. Yeah. And in a film like this, I think it works. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I I, it, I, I dug it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Shahir, listen, <laughs> when you are not mounting a murder <laughs> weapon to your face on Halloween and shooting a punk rock person in a, a second floor balcony uh, at a small suburban town, murdering him when you are 11. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at uh, my website, uh, shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are not having a great time at the movies at the Alamo Draft House, chugging back cocktails, I presume it's cocktails, right? You're not doing the, the, the $10 milkshake. Oh, right? I did a $10 milkshake, baby. I did the honeycomb milkshake with tequila in it and it was dope <laughs> as fuck okay where can people find the recipe for Sid milkshake you can find me bringing all of the boys to the yard at my website at m-a-t-t-h-e-w-k-r-o-l.com for my life and works also skeleton of them before Pierrezio on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter uh, you can also find me uh, spitting truth and knowledge over at Extra Credits we're doing some fun stuff we just did our first episode of the history of quantum computing and we're also kicking down that Maja Pahet train on extra history uh, we're doing a lot of fun we're stuff that, that, that are often not said together in a sentence. I love it. I love it. Uh, and uh, you please also uh, email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk to us about The Predator or any other films uh, coming up. Uh, Shea, are we doing Mandy next week? Is that what you'd like to do? I would like to do it. Um, let's see where we get to in the schedule. Uh, we have a few things we need to get. We need what to are the up. others? I, I what are the others so we can... So we can help people prep. Okay, well, we still need to do the Cornado trilogy. Yep, but that, that one's probably not next week. Uh, and we st- and then the only other things I'm thinking about and trying to prep for right now are our <laughs> violence in cinema, <laughs> our art and artists. Um, wh- there's a good chance Mandy's next week. There's, if, a, good, if, there's if, a very good chance Mandy's next week. I just don't want to promise it. I know, and I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, I really want to let people know as best. I give it a solid 70%. 70%, I think that's right. There's also Fahrenheit 1199 coming out, which I think would be interesting to sure. do. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, Venom. Ah, no, ah. Ah. White boy Rick. Ah. Ah. I don't know. Anyway. Write us in. Tell write us, us in, tell us what you want, and maybe the first person, if you write us in on, on Monday or Tuesday. You'll get to pick. You'll, you'll get to pick. You'll be the one. You'll choose it. The anyway, uh, I want to go out, uh, Shahir, with a lovely thing I found by um, John and Al. They have a web uh, a thing on YouTube called Lego Lambs, and uh, I don't know anything about them. I just found this thing, uh, and it's Predator- the musical mm. and mm. it is kind of genius i would 100 percent go to the theater and pay 160 dollars a ticket to see predator the musical i would pay 400 dollars if you could get arnie to do it and oh sing. my god if it bleeds we can kill it <laughs> uh well you'll hear it anyway uh that's our show thank you so much for listening and until next week uh, enjoy this and check out the rest of the stuff at lego lambs i got some good stuff anyway later bye, bye.